to make sure you always walk in with your head held up high, you know, walk with your shoulders back, like be proud of, you know, the person you are and the person that your parents brought you up to be. Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Welcome back to Up My Hockey for episode number 23. And today we have on Peter Worrell. Peter Worrell is an ex-teammate of mine back in the Florida Panther days. And Big Pete, as we called him, was big. Six, well, is still big. He's six foot seven. Uh, his hockey card said 250. Uh, maybe we won't ask what, what, we, what he weighs now. But um, Pete was a big man uh, in the days of the big enforcers. And he's also a Caribbean Canadian. So he moved from the Barbados at three years old to, to Montreal, Quebec, where he found a love of the game of hockey and started to play and, and worked his way through the ranks and ended up for the Hall Olympique, where he won a Memorial Cup championship, uh, ended up getting drafted by the Florida Panthers in the seventh round, uh, his rookie year in the league, and then made his way from the AHL into the NHL, where he was a longtime enforcer. Not many people can say that they led the CHL in penalty minutes as well as the NHL in penalty minutes. So Pete found his way in the sin bin a few times. He played hard. He played mean. Uh, he was very well respected and a very big man that was very hard to hit. And we talk about all that stuff. And we also talk about what it's like to be a black man in a white person's sport. And with all the discussion these days uh, around the context of race and race relations and, and systemic racism, uh, we cover that in the sport of hockey. And, and Pete is very eloquent he's very intelligent and he gets into his experience as a youth growing up and and some of the stories that impacted him in the nhl and he tells an amazing story about uh him and craig berube in his second game ever in the nhl uh which is quite emotional and and it's just it was it was a good conversation and it's conversations that we need to have uh that i am trying to have more where we can talk about what it's like to play our game and to operate in in this world uh, on an even playing field on an even level and trying to equalize the experience for everyone and, and make and make this this great sport that we love accessible and, and, as, and as diverse as we can uh, Pete has now uh, the director of hockey operations for the junior Pat Panthers in in Florida uh, we actually didn't have time to get into all that in today's episode. I really wanted to chat with him about that. But as these things usually go, time flies when you're telling hockey stories. So uh, I was really impressed uh, with, with, Pete, with Pete during this interview. I was so pumped to be able to talk with him and catch up after such a long hiatus uh, as, as we hung out quite a bit when, when, we were, when we were in the Panther organization together. So I hope there's lots, lots of good takeaways from this, uh, especially on on the race part, uh, on the part of the inclusivity of, of being 
a hockey player and what it means to be a part of the hockey community and what we are no longer willing to accept as a hockey community and what standards uh, we have to set going forward and how it's not good enough to be to be quiet and to be silent anymore. So without further ado, I bring you one of the most penalized men uh, of his era, Mr. Peter Worrell. All right, here we are, episode 23 of Up My Hockey, and I have an old teammate sitting in front of me by the name of Peter Worrell. Thank you so much for being here, Pete. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I, I hear it's number 23. It makes me feel good. I, like I, I'm the Michael Jordan of this thing, so <laughs> I feel pretty good already. That's sweet. Yeah, and you're following, um, you're following on the heels of Kevin Weeks, which was, a, which was a really awesome conversation that we had together and a fellow Florida Panther alum as well. I was going to say, it's not the first time following Kevin, so it's, it's, <laughs> kind, of, it's kind of been my career. <laughs> oh, that's wild. Um, and in, I don't even know where to start, really. I mean, other than the fact of so awesome to see you, it really Me is, too. and uh, and so thankful for you doing this. Uh, you mentioned that a few places had reached out and were, <laughs> were asking, and you haven't. Um, but I guess I just asked at the right time, and uh, and I really appreciate you sit, setting into this. Uh, what I, what this whole thing is about, Pete? Uh, I know we didn't get a chance to talk too much offline. It's called up my hockey for a reason. Is because I like talking about the the person behind the athlete you know the, yeah. the person the little kid that's growing up and trying to have big dreams and doing yeah. things and the stuff that they have to go through to make that happen even what happens in the nhl level you know what i mean what the day-to-day -day kind of right the perseverance required the the adversity that they face and because everyone has a different path and everyone has a different story and and it's really fun to unopen uh to open up that box and uh and i find it really interesting with guys that i used to play with because like i mean like we did talk about a little bit earlier we don't often have those conversations when we're in the no. locker room, right? No, no not very much. You know, <laughs> no. We talk about the day-to-day -day and, uh, yeah. you know, just stupid stuff. I mean, it's a locker room. And like, we're, it's usually, you know, we're a bunch of young guys that, you know, it's not very in-depth talks, put it that yeah. way. It's, it's very, it's very uh, surface talking. And uh, even guys that, like you hang out with all the time, guys who are your, your, you consider your best friends, it, was, it wasn't really, you know, what was your motivation for this or that. It was – yeah. Why'd you make that play last night? What were you, were you what movie are you going to go watch tonight? Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think it was, that's a, actually an interesting conversation in and of itself because I, I, I sit and watch baseball. I'm a bit of a baseball fan. And it seems like those guys or some of those guys are constantly like, where do you hold your fingers on the curveball?" And like, what's your approach going up here? And it seems like that's more of a, you know, I don't know what the right word technical, is, but it's collaborative, technical. right? That's yeah. collaborative. It seems like that approach. And I, I just mm. felt like with us, <clears throat> maybe the dynamics of the game, but like we were obviously good buddies and we always did a lot together, but it wasn't about, Hey man, like what, what's your stress points or I mean, how are you dealing with the getting sent down or called up? Yeah. I mean, that was never a discussion, you know, and I don't know why. Yeah. You know, I think, again, I think it was just a different society back then as well. Right. Like, you know, the mental health aspect of it was, was, was frowned upon, I guess, in, in certain ways. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I guess I'm a little bit jealous of today's guys is that they can, they can be themselves. They can be uh, vulnerable when they, when, they, when they need to be. They can uh, show strength at different times. They can show their personality a lot more than, than uh, you know, it was even 25 years ago. I think, uh, you know, one of the things in, in the game of hockey, which has always it's been good, is that, you know, we're a bunch of good old boys. We get along. We, we, we you know, we treat each other with respect. Um, but it's very homogenized, right? Or at least it was back then where, you know, if you 
I don't want to say get out of line, but if, you know, if you didn't just toe the company line in, in every aspect, if you didn't give the, uh, the most boring interview that you possibly could, that, that basically revealed nothing, um, <laughs> you, you, you were seen upon as, as being, uh, you know, a rebel, not, not being part of the group or, and, you know, in some ways can get ostracized in that. And, and I feel, I've always felt that that was always a mistake. I always felt that, uh, you know, in terms of marketing our league and, and marketing our players, um, you know, there's guys with some great personalities, you know, like, uh, you know, again, you, you just said you had Weeksy here last week. Um, he was one of the most interesting dudes forever. You know, like when we met him at 18, 19 years old, he was, he was fully flushed out as, as, as Weeksy, right? And, yeah. and, and even he was never able to really, um, you know, show that type of personality, you know, to the larger, to the larger world. Like he, yeah. you know, even in pockets with different guys, guys that he felt really comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just different. Right. And, and um, when you have those conversations with guys, it, again, it was very, it, it was superficial, not, not in the, in the sense of we didn't care for each other. Cause I, I think we did. Yeah. Um, but it just, it just wasn't how we were taught and how we were brought up at that time. And, and uh, like, I, I, again, I think that the, the kids who are coming up today, are a lot healthier because of it, you know, they, you know, it's okay to, you know, to be down. It's okay to, you know, to cry. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, a shot at your, your, your masculinity or your, or your, or human, your humanity. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's just, it's life. You know, life yeah. can be great. Life can suck. <laughs> you know, life can be terrible. Um, <laughs> and I think the more that you're able to express it and talk it out, I think it allows you to deal with stuff a lot better. 100%. Wow, I didn't think we were going to go there that quick, but I mean, that's, that's really poignant. I mean, I think, <clears throat> and it makes me reflect too on like what, <clears throat> what it meant to be a hockey player, one, mm -hmm. like the idea of what it meant to be a hockey player, right? This mm -hmm. kind of gladiator type thing. And in Canada, I mean, football isn't really a big deal. And like the sport, the sport of men is, yeah. is hockey, right? And, 100%. and you had this idea of, of, what, of what type of persona fit into that role. And, and then you also compound the idea <clears throat> of like what it means to be Canadian, growing up yeah. a Canadian male, right? Yeah. You know I mean, like what, what that means and, you know, a good old boy and a, you know, tough hombre and doesn't mind the odd beer. And, you know, you, we, you throw we that. We to live up to Don Cherry's, uh, you know, definition of what a hockey player yeah. was. You know? and, and, you know, for, for some guys, that, that's exactly who they were. Uh, you know, for, I'd say for a lot of us, it wasn't, you know, and, and, yeah. but you, you tried to play uh, into that, into that, I guess, stereotype or, or, or whatever you want to, word you yeah. want to use for it. Um, and I think it, 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 again, I think it limits, limits guys. And I think it, and overall it limits, um, you know, the marketability that for some players in, in different avenues, right? I think mm -hmm. when people, especially in the States, when they think of hockey players, yeah, and they think we're bored yeah. <laughs> and, and there's, nothing further than, than the truth as, as us being boring. I mean, uh, you know, especially back then, we, 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 we liked to have fun. Like it was, yeah. it was uh, you know, we, we let loose a lot, but, you know, uh, our personas were, were, you know, pretty, pretty standard that, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Uh, everybody worked really hard today. You know, we gave our best effort and right. best team won. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know how many times I said that. <laughs> right. No, hundred percent. I mean, it, as you say that, I'm thinking of so many things like, and how I watch the game and the guys come to the rink now, you know, and something as simple as, you know, someone wearing a, a blue shoot with, with shoe uh, suit with pink shoes or something, you know, something in yeah. their hair spiked up. I mean, can you imagine if we would have done that back oh, in no. 
96. You know what I mean? Oh, it just no. wouldn't, you just wouldn't have had. We all had the same color suit on. It was navy blue or black. Yeah. And we all had the same tie and we all looked the same and we walked the same and we pretty were much. the same, you know? Yeah, pretty much. Um, but Except then in saying that, like, Except I don't know if this is the appropriate time to bring it up, but like in saying that, and then when, when, when we're in this context of <clears throat> race now, and I had this discussion with Weeksy last week, it's like, I always did. I was colorblind to that because we were so colorblind. Like everyone, like you said, it was homogenized. Everyone yeah. to me seemed the same. We were hockey players. We were the boys. So like, whether I was talking to Weeksy or Pete Worrell or David Nemirovsky, Canadian Russian, right. It was like, Hey man, like we're just all doing the same thing. And I never, ever once thought to think, Hey, is this different for Pete or is this different for Weeksy? Um, do you think that was even different for you guys? Like being in that homogenous place, but yet not being a white guy with the rest of the, the rest of the crew. Yeah, I mean, in certain in certain aspects, absolutely. Um, but I, again, I, I I don't I I look at my career and the people that I was around and surrounded with, uh, in a lot of ways, as a blessing. I was I was really fortunate. Uh, a good teammates, a good organizational people, uh, from day one, from the jump. Um, and you know, if you don't know anything, you don't know to think anything differently. And and I did want to just be considered a hockey player, not a black hockey player, just any, I just, you know, I was a hockey player. I was one of the guys. Um, and that's how I wanted to be treated. Um, but certainly like there was moments where you, you just couldn't be yourself. Right. Like, uh, you know, I, I was out at our rink, uh, you know, there was, you know, NHL practice going on uh, a couple of weeks ago or guys, you know, skating, whatever, you know, the, while they're on the ice, they had the music blaring and it was all, you know, modern hip hop. The, the thought of putting Tupac or Biggie on when I was, you know, on, uh, in a practice would have been acidite. Like it was even, it wasn't even, it wouldn't even be a thought process that I could even do it. Like, uh, especially, you know, not as much in the minors. Cause I think we were all younger and we, you know, a lot of us listened to, to similar stuff, but you know, when you step into that NHL rink or dressing room where, you know, you were 30, 40 year old guys, there was, there was, there was no way that we were, playing our own music right like you know i think weeks would say the same thing we had our big headphones we stuck in our corner and we listened to what we want to listen to and uh we knew when we took our our headphones on it was going to be you know some country or some 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 heavy metal and you know <laughs> not that it's not great music it just yeah. wasn't what we we listened to right yeah um you know some of the things that we you know some of the groups that we hung out with and how we hung out back at, back in montreal or toronto uh, you know, it, it's the way that we carried ourselves there was a lot different than what we carried ourselves in the dressing room. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of black people, especially uh, who are in professional setting, uh, you know, you learn early on to do a little bit of code switching, right? So, um, you know, how I talked to, you know, Weeksy the first time I met him, you know, it was, it was different than I would have spoke to you the first time. And it, it, it's nothing... Um, you know, it's not, it, it wasn't a situation that I, you know, I didn't care about everybody else. It was just, we, we had different experiences. I, I, we all knew that, but it was just, you know, you just kind of, it's just kind of the way it was, right? Um, you know, the slang that you use, the way that you, you, you walk or talk, it was just a little bit different in, in whichever setting you, 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 you work in, right? So um, mm -hmm. in, in that aspect, it was, it was, I think that's what was different. But I, but again, I don't think I don't look back at that as as a bad time or um, a suffocating type situation. It's just it's just the way it was, you know. It, that's where we were in society, um, 
you know, it's much different now. Uh, but again, like I look at, you know, walking into that, into that building the very first day or, or getting picked up at the airport by Scott Tinkler the very first day and, uh, you know, having, you know, the battles between Florida State and Miami, you know, and, and um, you know, just, just the way that everybody embraced me, like from day one, uh, even when I wasn't ready to be a pro player uh, that first year. Um, you know, everybody embraced me, like from, from, from Mr. Tory all the way down. Um, you know, race, you know, was there, but it was never, um, it was never made to feel different. It was never right. ne meant to feel like, you know, an other, yeah. uh, you know, I remember one of the very first conversations I had with Mr. Tory was, you know, and, and with Brian uh, Murray were, you know, to make sure you always walk in with your head held up high, you know, walk with your shoulders back, like be proud of, you know, the person you are and the person that your parents brought you up to be. And, you know, my, my time with, with this Florida Panthers organization as a player, um, you know, when I got to Colorado was, was a lot the same way, uh, was, was really positive. Is that the case for every player? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, right. And, um, you know, I knew those stories. I talked to, you know, the guys in the league who um, were having, you know, a lot different experiences than, than I was. Um, so, I mean, again, I'm very grateful, uh, for the time I had, I, I was, you know, I, you know, I grew up hoping to play one NHL game, let alone as many as I did. And, um, uh, to be around the, the people that I, that I got to meet, uh, you know, from, from yourself to, uh, David Lomanovich to, you know, uh, uh, you know, Stu Barnes and, and Chris Wells and, and, you know, uh, Pavel Bure was, um, phenomenal and i and i you know again i'm 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 very blessed in that way that's super cool yeah i mean and florida was i mean i hate to use the word progressive because we're talking 95 mm -hmm. and when it comes to race race, race relations i mean yeah. that shouldn't be considered progressive but you know for them to draft weeksy for them to draft you you know that is something to say about that organization because there's obviously yeah. a lot of guys in the draft you know so yeah. like they didn't see color right and uh absolutely not uh and if they did, maybe they even saw it in a positive kind of an affirmative action way. Like they were playing out of Miami, you know what I mean? In, a, in, a, in an area that was, you know, that, that they're, you know, maybe was, they were trying was, to do something population. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, you know, well, I mean, I mean, it might look, not have been a crazy idea at the time either. So I, I don't know if that's good or bad or indifferent, but I mean, the fact was that you and Weeks, you were there at the time where a lot of teams didn't have anyone in the organization anywhere that, that, yeah. that, that were of color, right? No, I, look, I mean, I know that first year that we, we actually got called up and we we're playing together. Um, you know, we were still out of the Miami arena and, you know, I don't, I don't know if weeks they ever told you the story. Like we used to, you know, we used to see, you know, young black kids and, and, you know, it was in a bad neighborhood back then. And, and, you know, in our suits, we'd walk kids home and make sure they, they were safe. And, uh, before we got in our car and drove back all the way to back to Boca, like it was, uh, having both of us there was, was, was good in that aspect. But, but honestly, like, it was a colorblind thing in all honesty. Cause I mean, um, you know, Brian Murray, who was the GM that drafted me and, and actually it was nephew Timmy who ended up being the uh, GM in, in Buffalo for a while was the, the guy that pounded the table for me. Um, you know, I remember Brian Murray telling me that like one of the reasons he really loved me was that I was him. You know, I, I played the game like him. I fought the game like him. Um, I carried myself in, in the, with, amongst the teammates like he did. Um, you know, so, you know, to me, I to always took that as, you know, 
you know, you're, you're, you're just a guy, like you're, you're, you're part of us, right? Like right. it was, yes, you're, you're, you're a black man, but you are, you know, a hockey player first and, and a teammate first. And, and um, that's all that matters to us, you know, and that's, and that was as a young guy, uh, especially back then, that was, that was really um, motivating. Yeah. You know, it was really something that, that made me feel really good that I really wanted to, um, you know, be a good player for this organization and, 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 you know, hopefully, you know, light the way for, for guys to fall. Right. I love that story about, you I mean, Bill Torrey's telling you that, and, you know, like, that's the thing I think that was missing back in that day was the, the, the human aspect and the human approach to the players, you know, like to, like that conversation probably just meant the absolute world to you. I, I, I wish I would have had a conversation similar to that with yeah. Mr. Torrey, you know, like just to, yeah. just to know, right. That this yeah. guy, this guy gets me and he wants the best for me. Right. And he wants yeah. me to, to be proud of where I am and enjoy it. And that's, that's a really cool message, but let's get back. I mean, here we are, we're talking about pro, and I really want to understand, like, your heritage and stuff. You're, I know you're Caribbean-Canadian, but wh- wh- when, where were you born? Were you born in, in Canada? Barbados. You were born in Barbados? Yes, yes. Gotcha. So uh, how old were you when you were uh, moving? Three. Three years old. Yeah. And what brought your parents to Canada? Uh, they'd been in Canada before. Uh, they'd lived in Hamilton uh, when they were young. Um, uh, they moved back to Barbados, and then uh, they got transferred back in Montreal, um, with me and my brother. And, uh, the first time that my, my parents were here or in Canada, um, my dad fell in love with hockey. He fell in love with the, the Canadians, you know? So the fact that he got transferred back in, in, into Montreal was kind of providence for him. And, um, you know, when, when, we, when, you know, as young kids, we didn't know anything better. My dad just, you know, put us on the ice. Uh, obviously my brother is seven years older than me. So like he had, you know, he understood it a little bit more and it was just, you know, a cool thing for him to do, uh, a good way to meet friends and, you know, meet people in the community, uh, where for me, it was more, you know, I, I just wanted to be like my big brother. So like, you know, I went to the rank, followed him and, um, not only, you know, was my brother there, my cousin was there and my cousin in our area growing up was, uh, was a really good player. He was a player that um, most, most of the kids in our neighborhood wanted to be, uh, you know, he had, he had offers to, you know, play at Michigan state when um, back when that was even a thought of thing in, in Quebec. Um, you know, he was a really, really talented player that uh, my generation of guys, uh, you know, myself, PJ stock, uh, Vinny LaCave, Jason Doy, um, we all, you know, that was one of the guys that we kind of looked up to. So, um, you know, I, I got to go to the rink every day, um, you know, trying to, trying to be those guys, trying to catch up with those guys, uh, getting a whole lot of friends when I started playing. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a really, it was a really good experience. I mean, uh, you know, it was obviously, uh, it, it was never always smooth sailing. I mean, you, you, you know, Montreal back then was, you know, could be uh, in different parts of the province or it could be really tough. You know, it was uh, very homogenized in, in a lot of those areas and uh, there weren't a lot of black faces. So people felt very comfortable to uh, try to tear down a, a nine-year-old. Um, but, um, you know, the same token, uh, you know, it, it, I, it was just never something that I allowed to, to get in my way. I, I was fortunate enough uh, 
you know, from the age of five to be on a team with uh, Jason Doig, who was, you know, another black man who, you know, he ended up playing, uh, you know, for New York and Washington and Phoenix. Good player. Yep. He was a really good player. Um, won a gold medal for, with the world juniors. Um, so we were kind of always on the same team forever. So, uh, we always had we always had somebody that we could rely on and kind of confide to and try to get through it with. So um, you know, whenever somebody said something that was uh, untowards, uh, usually back then it was more to Doiger, <laughs> be honest with you, because he was he was a really good player back then when we were re- really young. Um, as we got older and and uh, uh, the game you know went from you know just youth hockey to be more physical. Um, you know, it, it went a little bit more back to me, you know, mm, I mean, right. the way yeah. that I played, you know, I was, I was confrontational. So, I mean, it, it, uh, it didn't help the situation, but, um, you know, it was never anything that, that I felt that I couldn't deal with, you know, I, right. like at the end of the day, I, I love this game more than anything. And there was nothing that was going to, there was nobody that was going to stop me from, you know, just playing to where I, my level, like I didn't know where that was. I, I, you know, I never assumed it was going to be an NHL, but, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, make the, the next team and the next team, the next team. And, um, you know, stupidity was not going to be something that was going to get in my way. Right. No, exactly. And it is, and it is stupid, but I, I, I hear in like the, you know, in Twittersville and, and, and in different spots, it seems like there's maybe a, a misunderstanding uh, mm-hmm. amongst some white people about like what is racism and what is a jab mm-hmm. um, and, and i mean and obviously and i don't think i'm definitely not an expert and, and i mm-hmm. think it's just why do you say anything but I, I just for those people out there that think that well i'm not a racist i'm just mm-hmm. you know whatever this is just a sport and and i can you know i'm saying this in whatever jest or whatever the thing is like what do you have to say about about those like those people or, or that thought um I think it's comforting to them, you know, in certain ways. I mean, it makes them feel, um, I don't want to say righteous, but it makes them feel comfortable with, 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 you know, some of the actions. Right. Um, again, and again, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect or, you know, I haven't said things that were absolutely stupid. Or God knows I have. Um, but I, I think there's just certain rails that you don't touch. Right. And uh, for me, it's, you know, I, I, I would never say anything about somebody's family. I would never say anything about people's personal problems or struggles. Um, and obviously, I think race was, was you know, at least for, especially for me, was, was something that was, uh, um, was really, was a line for me that I, you know, I just didn't really want to cross. Right. Um, you know, again, like, at the end of the day, we're all human and, and, and all of us just want to kind of have respect and, and, and respect of everybody around us. Um, you know, a job of saying, you know, you can't play hockey. Great. Awesome. Like say that all day. Like you're, you're probably right. <laughs> In some cases, um, you know, if you, you know, you, you said, I, you know, I think the, the, one of the best ones I, I heard was you couldn't carry the puck up the ice in a wheelbarrow. I was like, awesome. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I'm going to use that for years. Um, you know, things like that. Those, those are jabs, right? Like you're, you're going after, you know, an ability, you know, when, when you're going after somebody over things that, that they have no control over. I mean, I, I have no control of being black. I mean, right. It's who I am, you know, right. or where you're from or where you were born or any of those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, 
you know, again, do I want to, do I say that those people were racist? No, I think people have biases and I think people have, you know, have some bigoted views. Uh, to me, racism is, is, is the, the denial of opportunities for people. Uh, you know, that's true racism, you know, like, you know, not allowing people that to, to go to a certain school, not allowing people to have certain jobs or have relationships. That's, that's true racism. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, systematic stuff that, that, that are, that's, that still needs to be dealt with. And, um, you know, I think in this time, in this moment, it's an opportunity to, to address some of those things. Right. Uh, but I do think a lot of those, you know, jabs <laughs> were just, you know, were people being, having bigoted opinions and not understanding the ramifications of when you, when you say stuff like that, not only to the person you're saying it to, but for yourself, because uh, it allows you to, or allows anybody else to say, no, dude, you're, you're racist. Like, right. you want me to tell you, you're, you know, you're making racial connotation, racial joke. Um, you know, as a French Canadian, you know, even though, you know, I'm English, but as a French Canadian, I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot of jokes that are, that are made against French people. Right. And, 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 and stereotypes that are, that are continuously said about, you know, French Canadians that are, that I've participated in at times. I, I, I'm, I'm an idiot sometimes. Um, but, you know, as you get older and, and once you start understanding stuff, like what's the point? Like these guys, everybody works hard. Everybody's trying to get stuff. Everybody's trying to, to, you know, to be a good father, a good son, a good husband. Um, you know, those are the only things that really matter in life. And, Right. Um, you know, I think when you try to demean somebody based off, you know, you know, those criteria, um, it's, it, it, again, it casts you in a light that it's, it's hard for you to try to defend yourself to say that you want, like, is, are you a bad person overall? Not always. Sometimes, you know, some really nice people say some really yeah. horrendous things. Um, but again, you put yourself in a category where you, you, you can look like that person who is, you know, fully right. bigoted, hateful, um, you know, wants nothing but just their people to succeed and everybody else to be eradicated. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. And again, I, I, I hope in a lot of cases that people are given an opportunity to try to, you know, learn from it and, and try to, you know, make themselves better from it. And I think a lot of people do, uh, but a lot of people don't, you know, and once they kind of show you their face and it's kind of who they are as a person, you just, you know, move along. Like we have no, we have no business hanging out with each other. Well, I think for me now listening to that and you even talking about, you mean somebody feeling comfortable enough to tear down a nine-year-old, like, like that's the type of stuff. One where I was from, it just, it didn't exist because I was in Whitesville. I mean, there was nobody of color on the ice, right? So I didn't really hear that. Um, I wasn't exposed to it personally. I never partook in it. Mm. But you did. And, and, and in those scenarios, what do you think should happen? Like what I, what I, what I see as a brighter future is like if something gets said like that, and you know, we've used that word jab in air quotes, right? That yeah. it's not a jab. It's something that shouldn't be said. But like if something does get said like that, like that there should be like a screech on the record and like everything stops. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Because it seemed like it was almost too easy to say at a certain point, right? Like 
if you're back at nine years old now and you're you're with you know you're with youth hockey now you know like how how does that how how does your experience uh, apply and tattoo into what you're trying to develop there in florida now with with uh you know making this game celebrate the diversity within it right and make it a safe place and a fun place for people to be like how, how do you handle the 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 people that shouldn't be there in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, hope, I mean, again, if it's, I, I think you kind of try to differentiate between parents and kids, right? I mean, with the kids, again, depending on, you know, their age and their experiences, you hope that if they do something or say something wrong, um, you can pull them aside, you can teach them, give them a teachable moment that they can learn from and, and be better from. Uh, that's the whole purpose of being a coach. You know, we're trying to be teachers of life, not just, you know, on ice. Um, with parents, it's obviously a lot different. You know, for me, if that happens in my building, uh, that person's gone. <laughs> it's, just, it's just as simple as that. Right. And I think what, what needs to be done, and I think uh, you know, hopefully it's what's going to happen going forward, is that um, people around that person – don't allow that to be okay. You know, whether it's your, your, your teammates, uh, fellow, a fellow parent on a team, uh, don't condone it. Don't, don't, you know, don't even be just, you know, walk away from it and just push it aside. Like we have to, we have to check ourselves. Right. And, and you hope that, um, you know, they, 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 they speak up, they let the person know that that's not right. You know, they, they work with the people in the, in the facilities and arenas to get that person out. Um, you know, hopefully that person has to, you know, have their public shame. You know, I think that's, that's one of the things that, that, that hasn't happened is that the person that does it doesn't, doesn't get publicly shamed. So, you know, to them, it's like, okay, who cares? Like no big deal. Um, you know, I, I hope those are the steps that will be taken. I know that in our, in our facility, um, it, it would not be the smartest thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be something that uh, I'm going to put up with. And, and, and I know as an organization, that's not something that, that uh, from top to bottom uh, that we will put up with. Um, but you hope, that, you know, across the nation, across uh, North America, um, you know, people take stronger steps, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I know the story that happened, I guess, last season in, that, in the Quebec Senior League where, you know, um, fans were, were, you know, chanting monkey noises and, and, and going after a player. And they, I guess they kicked that person out, but, like, that person should be banned. That person should be, you know, that person's name should have been out there. You know, like let let them everybody know who this person is. Right. Um, you know, I think that would discourage, um, you know, people to do it in the future. Will it stop it? Probably not. I mean, that's you know, we got to be realistic and stuff. But uh, if it if it puts a second thought in somebody's head that you know maybe I should keep my mouth shut or find a better way to uh, you know go after a person. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the goal. Again, yeah. I, I, I love, you know, fans being loud and boisterous. Like, again, I, I was the bad guy. Like it, it, it gave me energy. Like I love being, you know, uh, booed, you know, on the road. It was, it was great. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it's how it's done and, and yeah. what's said. And, and, and um, you know, when you 
get to personal stuff like that, that's just, you know, it, it never really had an effect. That, and I know, um, you know, speaking to guys on, on other teams, when, when, when your fan base does it, like you almost feel, you know, extra weird, <laughs> extra, extra terrible. You know, uh, you know, I remember, again, my you know, playing in Quebec League and getting chanted down by the, you know, the whole stands. And uh, the captain of the other team was a black guy who was just sitting there like, I don't know what to tell you, Pete. Like, I, like, I want to, I want to, if you want to jump in the stands, I'm going to be there with you. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. Well, that's what we have. We were talking about the hypocr- uh, hypocrisy of, of that sometimes in, in cities, right? He, Absolutely. He, he used Philly he's, as an example, right? Like cheer for Allen Iverson. Black. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's our black. Yeah. 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 It's, he's uh, our black. Like it makes a difference. But I, mean, I think, I mean, as, as the white guy in this conversation, like, and Jonathan Taves has spoken <clears> up and now, and, and Sidney Crosby and a lot of these guys, and we talk about the acceptance factor. And I think when it gets, with the collective gets to be, uh, in agreement and is yeah. and is not silent, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I do think that it that it uh, it stops allowing these things to happen. Like whether it's on your own team or mm-hmm. on the other team, right? That this is just yeah. not okay. And like like I said, and 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 everyone stops and looks at the guy and is like, no, this doesn't happen here anymore, right? Yeah. And I think that's I mean that's definitely <clears throat> a good place to start uh, instead of it being just the two people involved. It can't be just the two people involved. It's got to be more than that. No, and, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's one of the benefits of having conversations like this, Pete, is like I, it's becoming, you know, that acceptance and that awareness and that expectation level for everyone involved in the sport to be like, okay, this is the standard now. Yeah. This is our new standard, right? We've talked about it. We get it. We're humans. <clears throat> this is the way it goes now. And I, and I, and I do see like a, hopefully like a silver lining in, in, in the cloud. Right. And, uh, and I guess that's, I mean, that's yeah. what we're all hoping for, I guess, right? No, I, I, honestly, I, I, I do really agree with you there. Um, you know, the fact that, that, that uh, white players are standing up and, and being allies in this thing. Um, to me, again, it, it's, it's this younger generation kind of gets a, a bad rap in a lot of, a lot of ways. You know, they're, you know they, they don't care as much as, as older groups or, you know, they're lackadaisical or whatever. You know what? These young people today are are world changers you know uh you know i sit here in parkland florida you know we're right down the street from from stoneman douglas and you know seeing the the energy of those young people to try to enact change was awe-inspiring um you know seeing the you know people you know the people who are doing it the right way but the people who are out there marching and 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 fighting for for justice uh racial justice again it's awe-inspiring and and it's and it's uh it's exciting to see, and you know, the the young guys in the league, or or even I guess they're older guys now. But I forget how old I am now. But uh, you know, these young guys, you know, they they've changed what's accepted. They've changed um, what's not accepted. They've changed the atmosphere around the rink, right? And not only on like racial stuff, but you know, just with, um, you know, they're getting better with, you know, with the LGBT community. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not, I'll, I'll, you know, I'd be a hypocrite to say, sit here and say that like during our time, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't easy just to say, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, a stupid thing against gay people, right? Like it was just, we didn't think better, you know, and, and that's not acceptable anymore and, and it shouldn't be, and it never should have been. 
Um, to me, I mean, it's, you know, what, what a person does with their life is what they do with their life. It's never been something that bothers me. Um, but it was so easy just to throw stuff like out like that. Yeah. And again, with society, with, with, with how athletes act today or, or talk today, those things aren't acceptable. And, 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 and to me, that's, that, those are steps in the right direction. Uh, those are, you know, trying to achieve the society that we always say we are, right? Like right. we're actually um, putting forth the steps of younger people, at least are putting forth the steps to actually be a fully equal place of a, 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 a community, a society that, that values everybody equally uh, has opportunities for everyone. Um, you know, to me, again, that's, that's so awe-inspiring. Um, you know, just the advocacy, just in general. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, our generation in, in some ways, uh, you know, made a mistake, you know, I, and not just, uh, you know, hockey players or anything, but just in general, I think in, in, our, in our time, as athletes, you know, I think too many, too many of us lived up to that, to the Michael Jordan um, statement, you know, everybody, you know, even Republican by issues. So like a lot of people just stopped um, trying to have any views, you know, everything was just straight up the line. I, I don't want to defend one side or the other. And, and I get that. And obviously that's the life that most of us live. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I was inspired growing up by Muhammad Ali. I was inspired by, you know, uh, you know, athletes, you know, uh, Juan Carlos and, and the guys of the Olympics, you know, I, I was inspired, uh, you know, by all kinds of people of that nature. And we got away from it. And, 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 and to see athletes in all sports, whether it's, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and LeBron James, you know, starting a, a voting registration type thing, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, the diversity uh, group that they put together with the NHL with, with Alou and, and, and uh, Kane and, and all those guys, uh, Nazi Kadri, I believe is in that as well. Uh, you know, that's to me is, 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 is incredible. And I think it's, it's helping us as a, as a, as a league, as a society, as a sports world get better. So I just want to take a short break from the conversation with Peter to thank you guys for one, being here and listening, and two, for doing your part in growing the podcast. And I've asked in previous weeks to please get out there amongst your friends, amongst social media to to share to share the content and to review the episode and to rate it and and it is it's growing uh, our, the episode has been moving up the ranks I believe we're top fifty uh, podcasts now uh, for hockey in Canada which which I'm really proud of and you know this is just the beginning so thank you for doing that uh, I am going to read one of the one of the reviews uh, this is on iTunes from Cooner it says. Love the podcast. As a parent of bantam and midget-aged hockey players who are both looking to secure college scholarships, the information in the podcast is so valuable. I love how the hockey stories get mixed in with the information sharing. I find this to be a must-listen for players and parents looking to secure a future, a hockey future for their kids. Great job and keep up the good work. 
Uh, that's amazing. I love uh, reading stuff like that. I, I love being able to share that. And please do continue to review, and I will try and read a review uh, on the air and recognize you for uh, for supporting me and, and supporting our guests and supporting the show. So thanks again. Keep uh, keep up the good work. And now back to the episode. Yeah. No, agreed. Uh, as far as the league goes and, and – uh, they are obviously trying to make change mm-hmm. change and and you know that's bad stuff sometimes pushes pushes things to the forefront and and just when i was looking back and and researching you on this episode there was some scenarios in your time you know one that was actually documented with geez a guy who you know craig barube just won the won the stanley cup and it's kind of turned into a folk hero as a coach and i don't know personally but a lot of people have a lot of good things to say with him but he had a one game suspension for for calling you a monkey is how i read it yep. is that like if that was to happen today i think there would be a different suspension t- there um yeah. do, do you do you think like how the league handled it at the time like how did that make you feel as as a person at the time was was that enough in, in that year or was it not like what how do you remember that playing out no i mean look i think at yeah, we're, we're, we're in a different point of time, right? So the fact that there was anything done, I think at that point was, was, uh, was a, again, was a step in the right direction. So, I mean, I was, you know, from the league point of view, especially, you know, I, I think that was my second game in the league, you know, uh, for, for, for Craig that, you know, he, he's a longtime NHL player, um, well-respected uh, and rightfully so. Um, and for the league to make to make that decision to back a guy, you know, again, who's in his second game, who, who could be his last game, you know, um, you know, again, was a was was a was sign to me of of pos- positivity and and um, support for myself. But I, you know, whenever that story comes, I always want to make the point, and I think sometimes it gets it gets lost. Craig immediately, immediately understood what he did and immediately seeked me out after that game. He, he went to Scott Mellonby, who was old teammates with him, uh, absolutely apologetic, like almost in tears to, to apologize for me because he, 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 he understood he took away some of my dignity. And as, as somebody of, of, of color, he, he, I think he really understood that. And I, you know, after the game, we lost the game. I, you know, I think guys that played with me know that I, I absolutely hated losing and I was not a very good person to be around when we lost. So, you know, I was, writing, I was doing my workout. I was really mad and I just didn't really want to hear it at that moment. Uh, but I woke up the next morning. The first thing I got was a phone call from Craig. Uh, absolutely absolutely apologetic like from the from 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 his heart and the things that he said to me you know i, I won't you know discuss it but it, it was obvious that he like again he understood and that he would vow to not make that mistake again and to me uh i have the most respect for him in the world like i like it was not something he had he had to do it's something that he should have done yes but he didn't have to and the fact that Nobody twisted his arm. Nobody forced him to do it. Nobody made, hey, say, hey, you screwed up. You better go fix that. Uh, you know, he, as a, as, a, as a man, as a human being, realized that, you know, this is a 19-year-old kid. Like, what am I doing? Um, you know, really meant the world to me. 
And to, to see the success that he's had going forward, it, it's not surprising to me uh, because I think a person that, that, that can be like that um, is a person that, that can lead men, you know, and, and um, that's certainly what he's shown. Um, you know, obviously, I think he had the, the one head coaching job where, it, you know, things didn't go perfectly. But again, he was somebody that was willing to learn from that, from that mistake and, and, and be better at, and he's made himself uh, arguably one of the top coaches in the league. And, and um, you know, I tip my hat to him for that accomplishment. And I tip my hat to him, you know, you know in the time machine, um, the fact that he did what he did. And I always want to make sure that part of the story is told as much. You know, I think too much, too much of the story is only about the action the original action, but not of the reaction. And I think that's, that's as telling about his character uh, as any. Yeah. No, my gosh. I'm so super happy I brought it up and so thankful that you shared that because yeah, you I mean, the Cole's notes of what gets written that that doesn't get written, right? That's, that's yeah. in the footnotes of history and what, what was said between you and him is, is between you and him. But uh, I couldn't agree more. Are you saying, you know, that's a sign of leadership. You've said dumb stuff. I've said dumb stuff. I've done stupid stuff, right? Is what do you do after you do that, right? Are you, no. are you too proud to say anything? Do you actually feel remorse? You know I mean, like you're saying all those things that he, he instantly knew and he made amends the best way he knew how, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and probably judging by where he's ended up, he's probably never said it since or anything like that. You mean, it I, I, been- I would just, assume so i mean yeah. i hope so <laughs> yeah, i hope might so. Not, it might have been a massive learning point for him too and that's progress so i mean even in being able to tell that story that something could be you know clouded that is actually kind of something really human and beautiful in its own yeah. way that you know that you end up having this great respect for him and probably for each other and uh over something that was kind of gross and ugly at the start but you know I mean, so it goes i mean that's life that's being human right i i honestly Again, I, I, I always think it's a mistake because I think it's, 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 it makes the story so much better when you get the full scope of it yeah. and, and, and not to try to make uh, one of us a villain. Like he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a villain. He made a mistake. He said something yeah. stupid. He said something that he said to you know, players that he's fought for years and, and not having that same connotation to a white player. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a... You know, it's, it's what I do. It's what I say. And as soon as I realized I said it to you, I felt like an idiot. And I, I could understand that. Again, I could understand what he was, um, his feelings at that time, right? I can understand the, of, you know, again, saying something really stupid in the moment. And, well, and he's lived and, that his American, I mean, like you said, his American Indian background, right? Like, I mean, he's absolutely, he's, he's felt his, his own scenario and I'm sure that touched home for, for him. So no, like that's uh yeah, I mean, good on both. Yeah. And I'm sure there's other stories that you could tell along the way. And I don't want to spend our whole episode here on that. I know it's probably going to weave through some of the questions, but I want to celebrate you as the hockey player because you know, that the time in, in hall mm-hmm. was really epic man like yeah check, checking it out and to see that you guys won those two championships you know within the queue and then went on to win a memorial cup in 97 yeah. and and your stat line is just blows my mind you know, <laughs> uh, like the 23 goal i mean let's actually start at that rookie year you know what I mean because here comes here comes pete comes into the comes into the queue and like how how did that even start and then we'll get into kind of how that how that uh, year rolled out for you well, I think you got to go back a little bit, right? So growing up in Montreal, um, 
you know, I played on some really good teams as a kid and I was always kind of like the leading scorer on most of my teams. I, like, I had a natural goal scoring ability. My skating was awful, <laughs> but I was also bigger than everybody. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I wish I was better at it or when I was a kid to understand that, hey, man, I got I to gotta work on my feet. I got to, you know, I got to be quicker. Um, I, I waited too long in, in some, some aspects of that. So by the time I got to the junior or, or my first junior tryout, uh, even though I was drafted by, by, uh, by Hall, I, I had no expectations to make that team. I was thinking, you know, if I can stay there for two or three weeks, I'll be put on their list and maybe they buy me some skates. You know, like that was literally the only thought process I had. So when I made the team, um, I was super pumped. But I did not know, I did not know what I was. I didn't know, I didn't have a role. I had no clue. I was just a body. Um, you know, my first fight uh, in junior, I think we, I scored two goals that game. And uh, both times I, I was talking junk to the guy, the defender in front of me. Like, you can't cover me. You can't handle me, blah, blah, blah. I didn't realize he was the toughest guy in the league at that time. You know, I had no clue. And when he fought me, he, he grabbed me at the end of a shift, like in the third period, and was like, let's go. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do this, you know, real nonchalant. And, you know, went to grab his right, and he was just a lefty and just kept feeding me and feeding me. And I, I think, like, I, I honestly think he knocked me out and then woke me back up, like, in successive punches. Like, it was, <laughs> it was an absolute beating. Um, so even that part, like at, at early in my career, like I had no idea what, what I was. Right. Um, but again, I was, I was around some really great people. Like, uh, Charlie Henry was the GM of that, of that organization, uh, you know, was much in the vein of, of, you know, Mr. Tory and Mr. Murray, um, really believed in me and, and really felt that I could do something. And, and, uh, you know, coaching staff was great. Uh, Claude Julian was my assistant coach at that time. And, you know, he took me and a couple other younger guys under his wing and just kept trying to work at us, work on us on, on, on all aspects of the game. Um, but, you know, my stat line at that end of that year was, I think, a goal and eight, seven assists or something like that. And, uh, you know, I had a teammate on that team who uh, is Jose Theodore, who uh, obviously was a great NHL goalie. Uh, he'll tell everybody till he's blue in the face that he outscored me that year. So like it, uh, you know, it, it kept me in my place. We'll just, we'll just say that. Um, but I got drafted that year by Florida, which was, uh, surprising. Um, you know, again, I, my stat line that year wasn't, was what it was. It wasn't anything special. Uh, obviously winning the Quebec league was, was phenomenal. Uh, especially the fact that that year, I think we had 13 or 14 rookies. We, we had, no business winning it that year. Um, and that was the nucleus of the team that, that won it a couple of years later. But um, yeah, I got drafted. I didn't understand what being a pro was. So I went to camp the next year. I wasn't ready. I wasn't, wasn't uh, prepared. Uh, got my, my butt chewed out by people in Florida. When I got back to Hull, got chewed out by them again. Got back to Florida, got chewed out by them again and made sure that they sent me home as quickly as they possibly could. And it was humbling. Um, and I, you know, put it in my mind, I was going to work my tail off. Um, and I, you know, spent uh, that first month, I think I dropped like 25 pounds. It's just like being, doing two a days and getting back in shape. And uh, I was fortunate enough, somebody got hurt uh, and they, 
they tried me out on the first line uh, with my uh, with Chris uh, uh, with Marty Menard and and uh, Pavel Rosa, who's who just came over from 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 the Czech Republic, and it clicked. Like we 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 worked really well together, and um, you know I put up some really good numbers. Uh, they put up some stupid numbers. I mean, I think there were. I think there were like 150 points, 160 points. You know, I had 70 or something like that. So, I mean, it was, it was good, but I mean, it was certainly, um, you know, it was, it was very helpful. Um, and then, you know, I came back the next year, went to the camp in Florida. Well, hold on. I'm going to stop you. you go, I got to yeah. stop you because you go from nine points, right, and getting drafted. Yeah. You said there's a couple of juicy things there that I picked up because one is you weren't expecting to make the junior team. Right. So no, then you make, you no. make the junior team. You're not even sure what's going on, what choice up, what choice down. You're fighting for the first time. You've never done this before. Yeah. You've been a goal scorer your entire career in minor hockey. Yep. And now you're playing in the queue, trying <laughs> to figure that out. You get drafted, which is yep. huge, yep. but you barely even figured out how to be a junior. And now you're going to pro camp, right? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. holy smokes, yeah. right? That must've been like a whirlwind for you those 12 months. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, like when we, when we won that, that cup in, in, in uh, the Quebec league that year, um, you know, to me, that was like the, that was the, the greatest thing ever. Like that was, we're going to celebrate this. We're going to have fun. We're going to party. And, um, we did that for, for, for probably a, a little too long. Um, <laughs> but, um, we, you know, I went home and, and, uh, I remember the draft was in Edmonton that year. Uh, my buddy Doiger was, you know, was, was ready to go really high and be a first rounder. Um, and I, I think I was ranked like in the ninth round without like without the Europeans, without the goalies. So I remember saying like, I'm not going to, the, I'm not going to fly into Edmonton. Like I don't have that money. Uh, so me and and uh, PJ Stock and his brother and a couple other uh, guys that we grew up with went to a Mexican restaurant that night, and we we're waiting to see our buddy get drafted. It was it was a really good time. We we enjoyed it. Um, and then. That was it. Like we, I didn't, we, nobody was thinking about anything else. I went to bed that night and I remember my dad woke me up like at seven in the morning and was, had the newspaper in his hand. It was like, Pete, Pete, you got drafted. And I looked, I was like, cool. And rolled back over and went to sleep. And when I finally woke up a couple hours later, I was like, did that, did that happen? Wait, wait a second. I ran to my dad's room. I'm like, dad, did you tell me I got drafted? He's like, yes, yes, yes. So like I was super pumped, and I guess uh, Florida told me that they tried to call me, and somehow they had the wrong number. So they kept calling some old lady who was like thought she was getting uh, you know pranked the whole time. And then, yeah. So they just gave up, um, and eventually they they got a hold of, of Charlie Henry who got them in touch with me, and and, and uh, you know that was that. But again, after that point, like I still do not you know understand like what was going on. Like, I didn't understand like, you know, the commitment that was, that was really uh, necessary. So like I went to camp and you know, I was 20 pounds heavier than I was the year before. Right. And, and uh, like I said, they chewed me the hell out and rightfully so. And I'm glad they did. Um, and I went back to Hull because I went there for rookie camp first, but that's that when we had it up in, in Deerfield, we were all that embassy suites over there. And, yeah. You know, uh, when you guys would go to the beach, they, I, you know, I, I'd make sure I had my t-shirt on. I was like, I ain't going out there. <laughs> Forget that. Um, I'm going to sit in the hot tub. Um, but like, you know, I went back to Hull and, you know, 
my coach kicked the kicked the crap out of me. Like, hey, you're you're riding you're riding that two hour bike rides every day, you know, after the skates. Uh, you're gonna work out, you're gonna, you know, you're eating salad for and that's it. Uh, and I, you know, I dropped 25, you know, and and um, you know, it it got me set up and made me understand kind of what it really took, right? Sure. Um, so when I went back the next year, uh, or when it, um, the end of that season ended and I had a really good year and, 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 uh, you know, got a lot of calls from Florida about like, you know, uh, you know, we actually look at you as a prospect now. I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> where'd that come from? Um, you know, I, I understood to take a little bit serious. So I, I, you know, I bought one of those, um, the bikes that they had there, the, the old Cybex, the old Cybex, the old big black. black I bought factory. one too. Yeah. So I put that in my basement and I think the first night I got back home, uh, went out to dinner with a couple friends and, and I would, again, it's, it's kind of how my life was. I was really lucky. Uh, this guy came up to me. He was like, Hey, I hear you're a junior hockey player. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love to be your trainer. So, Great. Okay. Get back to my meal. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, we, but he, we start, he just kept, uh, you know, putting, kept talking, kept talking, telling me that he had just graduated from McGill he, in kinesiology. His, 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 his thesis was on plyometrics and how they applied it to the performance of hockey players. And I was like, you know what, let me give this guy a shot. And dude would show up at my house at like five in the morning every day to make sure I'm on that bike. We, we go to the gym uh, for like two, three hours every day and and like the things that we were doing back then were everybody kind of looked at us weird right like now that like i i see people are training kids right now they're doing a lot of stuff that we were doing 25 years ago right uh he's now uh the the head trainer for the tampa bay light like like he's like he's he was always a legit guy and i was lucky just to meet him at a restaurant and and he put me on a path to you know that when i went back to camp that second time I, I think I won, I won the, you know, the, I won, I was the, I won the award for the, the, the best conditioning athlete in, in the camp. It was like, you know, for the organization, they kind of looked at it as like, Oh, geez, like you, you got the point, you know, it's all business. Yeah. No. This, guy, this guy, this guy understands it now. And, yeah. um, you know, somehow again, like I was a seventh round pick in the NHL at 19 years old, um, you know, a seventh round fighter. And at 19 years old, I, I made the, I made the team uh, coming out of camp and, uh, you know, I broke my hand, I think the last day of like training camp. So that's, I, that's why I got sent down to the hall that year. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I went back to hall and, and you know, we had such a great team. We had such great guys. Uh, you know, uh, Claude Julian took over as a head coach and, and it, and it kind of changed even the atmosphere that we were more relaxed. We, we were a veteran team at that point. And, you know, we just kind of ran through the league and um, got to Memorial Cup and ran through our first couple games and then had one of the worst games experience of my life playing against uh, Lethbridge. Uh, I think we were up 5-1 going with about 12 minutes left in the third and somehow found a way to lose it, which was at our, in our home building, which was not a good feeling. Um, you know, unfortunately, we were able to, you know, meet him again in the finals and were able to, you know, to, to, to prevail. And they had a really good team. They had some really good players on that team, Byron Ritchie and, and Shane Willis and uh, uh-huh. Dale Purinton and, and uh, Travis Brigley and, and uh, Bryce Salvador was on that team. 
Uh, I mean, they were really they were a solid squad. Um, but yeah, we were we were we were very fortunate. Um, you know, it was it was an unbelievable experience. Um, thankful for it every day. Um, but yeah, we had it was uh, it was a wild ride for three years. You know, That's my fun. whole junior career was a wild ride. Yeah, I mean, anytime you win anything of any type of magnitude, I mean, it keeps that group together forever, essentially, right? Like you, you remember who's on that team, and it's just such a bonding thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to point out because for everyone listening, you know, to, to score twenty three goals in that league and have a point a game while you're getting four hundred and sixty <laughs> penalty minutes and four hundred and ninety penalty minutes, and even being a point a game guy in the playoffs two wow. years in a row, you know I mean like that's. That's super cool. And, and maybe something gets overshadowed too and doesn't want to get talked about because you did it again in New Haven, which is super cool. Like I, I looked at, I looked on the stats there. You had the same amount of goals as Bates Battaglia did that yeah. year. Like yeah. um, not many people would guess that in a trivia question, you know? Yeah, and, no, uh, I, I was a first line guy on that team, you know, for that year. Uh, I was mm-hmm. playing with uh, Nemo, Dave Demaroska. I was playing with Ryan Johnson on line. We were, we, we really clicked. Um, and my confidence was super high. Like I, again, I, I came off those two years in junior where, um, you know, I felt like I was a player and, you know, I, I walked into the pros and, and felt the same way, you know, at least in the minors. Right. And, right. and, um, you know, I was given those opportunities to, to play in those roles and, and I was able to succeed with them. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that year, that, that year in New Haven was, uh, was, was, uh, kind of an extension of my junior year. Right. Um, you know, and it was probably the last time until my last year in Charlotte where I got to be a, a full rounded hockey player. Again. Right. So it was, oh, uh, it was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Well, the NHL is tough as you know, and I was going to actually going to say that, you mean, by the time you left junior, um, were you the, were you the biggest man on campus there? Like, were you, were you recognized as being one of the, that was there were some tough guys in that league too but i'm, oh, I'm yeah. just wondering like you, know, you have that transition so now you although you're a scorer there you mean the, the penalty ministry you're putting up it, that was obviously where florida had you pegged and what you were growing into that role at that yeah. point and yeah. uh so then you move from junior to the ahl and like and then to the nhl so i was just wondering for you like junior tough ahl tough nhl tough like was was there a level up process in every one of those scenarios for you uh, to a degree, because obviously you're going from, you know, teenagers to young men to full adults. Um, so yes, there's, there's, is a transition. Uh, but to me, it really wasn't, I, I, I don't know how to explain, I, I don't know how to explain it. Cause I don't want to sound, uh, delusional or, or, or more delusional than normal or, or cocky. Right. Like it, it was never like, once I figured out what I could do and what I couldn't do, there was never really any fear, right? And I, I knew that I was ne- like, no one could really get to me, right? So was I, was I known as the big man on campus in junior? Not my first two years. You know, there was this, there was this dude, George Lerac. Um, yeah, we know him. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, we had God knows how many fights in junior, which, um, you know, which was a, which was, which was the battleground. And, and yeah, during that time we had, we had a lot of tough guys, right? Like in that league, in the queue, it was either you were a, a goal scorer or, or a fighter, right? So uh, there wasn't much in between. And uh, it was a murderous role, like almost every game you play. And, uh, you know, you were talking about the four four ninety pounding minutes. I think I had that with about 10 games left. And 
I was, I remember telling guys like, I'm not taking another penalty because if I get over 500, everybody's gonna think I'm a dude. So I, I'm staying away from that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, like, like that last year, uh, Georgia had, had graduated up to the AHL. Uh, yeah, certainly by my last year, like, I was that guy. Uh, when I when I walked into uh, the AHL, I felt I was that guy. You know, I, I went I went into camp. You know, when I hit, when I fought some guys in camp, I, you know, I felt confident, like I beat them. And uh, when in exhibition games, you know, I, I beat them. And, um, you know, when I, when I got to the HL, like I, I just didn't feel like anyone could beat me, you know? And, and uh, again, some of that was, uh, you know, the delusional, the delusion that you have to have in that role. Um, but some of it was based off the fact that uh, I knew, that I obviously have really long arms, but I also really fast hands, you know, and, and I grew up uh, as much as a hockey fan. I grew up as a boxing fan. Right. And, you know, I like the heavyweights, obviously that's great, but my favorite fighters were Pernell Whitaker, you know, uh, the Roy Jones juniors of the world guys who, who understood, like, I don't have to take a punch if I don't have to like to punch you. Like, I can, I can be smarter about this. Like it's, it's prize fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, that's kind of the approach I took my fighting. Like I can go to toe to toe if you want me to, but you know, why take one? If I can, you know, I can let you throw five punches that are going to, are going to miss me to be able to throw that one that's going to stop you. Right. You know, and, and that's kind of, you know, my, was always my philosophy. So like, I was never, I was never worried. Like, like I hear this, you know, I hear guys' stories and, you know, the, uh, you know, the anxiety a lot of guys had or that wasn't me. That just wasn't me. That wasn't my experience. Like I, I didn't really spend much time thinking about it. Like, and honestly, like my, my, my thought process every night, my, the things that would keep me awake at night was how the hell am I going to stay in front of Gonchar so that, you know, so that I'm not going to be a minus three. You know, I, I was always thinking about how I can, find ways to get more minutes to show that I could play, you know, like I, I wanted to be Cam Neely, you know, like I wanted to have that opportunity to go from, you know, one role to the next. I wanted to be Todd Bertuzzi, you know, who, who you know, struggled his first couple of years and, and, and found that, found that, that, uh, that gear to go to the next level. You know, that was, that was the only thing in, in my mind. That's awesome. Uh, fighting was just kind of, for me, was just kind of the thing that I knew got my foot in the door. Um, but I think I did it too well. <laughs> so, so it kind of pigeonholed me into that, right. you know, into that right. role. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't regret it, you know, obviously, um, you know, it, it got me to, you know, play, you know, as long as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not, I was never one of those guys that, that hated the role. Like I know, I know guys who were in that role hated. Right. That wasn't me. Um, did I you guess, enjoy it? Like, did you like the fights? Uh, not as much as Paul Laws did. Paul Laws loved the fight, uh, which was a little scary. <laughs> um, mm. But I, I, I didn't care either way. Like honestly, like yeah. if, if no, if, if I went through a game and nobody asked me to fight, I great. If I went through a game and, and four or five guys asked me to fight, okay, it's it is what it is there. Um, again, I think that's part of why I was fairly successful with it was that it wasn't, 
it wasn't all that consumed me. Like yeah. I thought of myself more as a four checker. That's what I, that's what I cared about. Like I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, a, I wanted that puck in your corner and you go back for that puck and know that there's a runaway train coming. Like I wanted to scare you from going back to that puck for the next time. Yeah. Uh, that again, those were more of the things that were in my mind. Like, how am I going to play well defensively? How, how do I win the battles on the boards that, you know, uh, you know, if I'm five from, feet from that blue line, that puck's getting out every single time. Like, there's no excuse, right? Like, right. those were the things that I cared about. Like, fighting was – I was fortunate that I, I was, could be good at it, but it, it just was – it was just a part of the game. That's yeah. awesome. I love hearing that. I love that hearing about, like, your, your personal idea of what role you wanted to grow into, too. And, mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned earlier that you, didn't, you weren't a great skater. And, and I'll tell a funny story, and hopefully, hopefully you don't get mad at me. But uh, – I might. I might. Too far. My arms are that are long and not long enough to get to you over there. So. But it was when it was in, in Florida, when we were in Florida together and they brought in um, that power skating instructor. And I can't remember who it was. And we were doing at the time, it was even pretty cutting edge stuff. I mean, like real, like a lot of edge work stuff and yeah. single leg stuff. And anyways, I just remember I remember you like wanting so badly to get better and really honestly struggling with what was being asked out there. You know, yeah. and, and and we'd be at one end, and you'd be you'd be in the neutral zone, still trying to get down, right? And it was, yeah. it, it's, I've actually used that story before, like with, with with younger kids, because it's like the ability to do that and to dig in, you know, and and even amongst your peers, right at the pro level, to be like, yeah, I'm not good at this right now, but I am willing to get back up, and I'm willing to do this, and I'm willing to try and improve. Like I thought that said a lot about you at the time, and as as a person and as a player. So I don't know if if you remember that, but. Um, you know, you were digging in, man. Like you were trying to improve what you thought was your weakness for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, um, from the day that I got to Hull and, and it, and it became a realization that what I was doing growing up wasn't good enough. Um, and it's, and especially once I started getting a little, a, a taste of what that those next levels were and, and that I possibly could get there. Like it was the only thing that consumed me. Right. And, and, um, I'm, I guess I'm fortunate enough with the parents that I had, like hard work was never anything that was, it was, it was just what was expected of me, right? Like if think if you can't figure it out, just keep working at it. Like eventually you will. Right. And, and um, again, I, 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 I never, I was never going to end up being a pretty skater. Like nobody was ever going to confuse me for like a, like Pavel or, you know, Brett Hedekin or anything like that. But, uh, I knew that I can get myself to a point where, you know, my speed could be better, that I could, that I could be um, more agile, you know, and it just, it was just going to take work, you know, it was going to take transforming, uh, you know, my body and, and, and being able to get that, those deep leg bends and knee bends and, and, and getting my butt down and keeping the chin up. And, um, you know, it, it was, you know, it was, it, it, it was fun to be in the process, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. like I took that as, it was hard work. It was sweaty or whatever, but I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed it for not only for the personal reasons, but I enjoyed it because I, I felt that it would make me better for my teammates, you know, and that's, and that was, was really important. To me. So, uh, and again, having teammates that were supportive as opposed to like, Oh Jesus, what's that guy? You know, like, like, right, right, right. It, right. it, it made a, it made a world of difference. Absolutely. Yeah. 
No, I think we had, they, they had a good group there. And, you know, I think any, they experienced success early there, kind of right, mm-hmm. right on the cusp of when we were coming in there. I remember being yeah. a black ace there in that cup run. And, you know, that, that, like I said, I mean, not that they won, but they won enough there to, to, to grow and to go through some of those adversities. And, I mean, we weren't a part of that on the ice and the battles, mm-hmm. but you're still, the organization itself develops. It's, os- it's osmosis, yeah. Like yeah, the, exactly. The, the guys that they had at the top, um, were so instrumental, I think, to a lot of us because it showed us what it, what it took to not necessarily be the best player, but a, a player that's, that's wanted. Yeah. And if you're willing to really uh, learn those lessons, like you, you had an opportunity. And, and they were so welcoming in that aspect, right? There weren't, there weren't many guys who were like, hey, kid, I, I, I don't want to help you. You're going to take my job. Like, yeah. no, there were, there's few, but yeah. not many. And especially compared to, to other teams or other organizations, right? So, uh, you know, from day one, you know, Lazar was like my big brother. Like he, he trying to help me from day one, from the jump. Gordon Murphy, uh, Jeff Smith, uh, 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 Tom, Tommy Fitz, uh, you know, some of the older guys. And, and even the younger guys that, that had success early on, like Billy and, and Needs and uh, – you know, Eddie Joe, um, again, they were, they were, uh, Rhett Warner, like, they were some, they were some really cool dudes that were, were really helpful. I remember having surgery in my hand in the middle of summer and, and, and being in Florida by myself and, uh, you know, Jovo just like coming to my hotel and was like, just pack up, you're, you're staying with me for the next two weeks. So it was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, awesome. I appreciate it. Um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of guys there that, that that understood because they were most of those guys were never superstars right they were never in the position to be you know big name players on and and their original places this was their last spot this was their last chance to be an NHLer and they appreciated it uh and conversely not only on the ice but how they acted off the ice how they built a fan base in, in the area how they you know shook every kid's hand you know, we're willing to sign those autographs, even those days when it was super hot and they just wanted to get home. Uh, they did a lot to create an atmosphere for us to build off of. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we haven't won enough games since then <laughs> to continue a lot of it. But, uh, you know, the crew that we have here is, is starting to get in that right direction. And, and uh, you know, we got a second chance in these playoffs and hopefully uh, they, can, they can make a run with it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But what about um, any high points? Like, how about that first? Who was your first NHL fight, and what was the first NHL goal like? Let's 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 go over those ones. Uh, first NHL fight. Uh, funny enough, was Craig Baruga. <laughs> it was a, a exhibition game in Halifax. Uh, my first exhibition game, and uh, he he just asked me to go, and I was like, I was you know at that time I was eighteen, nineteen. Uh, I was a little scared. I was like, I've seen this guy on TV for, for many years, just killing guys. Um, and it went well. Like, I did really well. Like, I, yeah. you know, hit him a lot more than he hit me. So it was, I was pretty good about it. Uh, my first goal was, um, it's actually, it's a story I love telling, actually. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd been sent down my second year. Uh, for what was supposed to be a week and ended up being two months. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I was starting to get a little uh, 
pessimistic, I guess, a little bit, but I got a phone call one day uh, in the early morning and like, Pete, uh, you, and, you and Chris Wells, you got called up, uh, but you're not going to play tonight. There's a couple of injuries, whatever. So, uh, but they need you up there to be a body. So, all right, cool. So we got on the plane from New Haven to Florida and, and uh, it was a full flight. So we couldn't even get comfortable. There was, we, we couldn't, I, I can't, I couldn't sleep on the plane. Uh, the, there was no real food. Uh, we landed late. Wellesley wasn't a small man either. No, Wellesley, <laughs> no, we were both six foot seven and dumb. Like, it, just, it was, because uh, we're dumb because instead of like getting our own aisle, we decided to sit beside each other, which was just, <laughs> we weren't thinking. Um, right. But again, we weren't supposed to play. So we, we got there, we got there to the rink late. Like once we landed late, you know how, South Florida traffic was back then going up to 595. Like it's, it was just stalled. So by the time we got to the rink, they just got off the ice for a warm up. And uh, we walk in, we have our bags, but to put it in. And, and, and Scott Tinkler's like, Pete, you gotta, you gotta get dressed. You're, you're playing. What? <laughs> um, yeah. You gotta get on the ice. So I threw my gear on and uh, you know, kind of just kind of in a roll when I, you know, Literally, I, I was sleep deprived. I had no clue what was going on. And first shift, uh, I was against St. Louis. Um, Billy Lindsay dropped, gave me a draw pass, and I, I roofed it on uh, Richie Perrin, who's, who's from my hometown. So, like, we skated all every summer together. And, like, That's funny. Real. He was a goalie for me in Spokane for one Oh, year. was he? There you yeah. go. Uh, but when I, when I put it out, I was like, ah, you know, no big deal. Like, I've done this every summer. Like, what's the big deal? So, like, I didn't really celebrate. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, came back to the bench. Boys were, were going crazy, like, loving it. Everybody was happy. You know, you know started feeling my oats a little bit. Like, you know, I'm in NHL now. I got, my, I got my goal. And we went out for the next shift. And, you know, we're lining up at center ice. And, and all I heard was, hey, kid, we're going. And I looked over. It was Tony Twist. And I was oh. – it was the only time it's probably ever happened in my life where my knees were shaking. <laughs> I was like, I do not want this. <laughs> um, but we puck dropped and, and I, I grabbed him and I think I hit him about like three or four, like real quick. And then I literally, it was the best seatbelt I think you'd ever see in the history of the game. Like he was throwing every punch he possibly could. And my arms were up. Like, nope. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> And like he, like he was just like for about forty seconds, just trying to get anything to get on me. And I was like, "No, sorry, Bob." And again, it was the only time that's ever happened in my career. He literally just like with a wrist, just kind of like flicked, and my whole body crumpled. And I'm on my knees, looking up at him, like, "Oh man, it was it was a great twenty-one years. Like I really enjoyed <laughs> my time on this planet." And he he held back, and I was like, "Oh, thank God." And we were in the penalty box and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to like, you know, trying to catch my breath, trying to figure out what's going on. And, and all, all I heard was, hey, kid. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, not again. Like, so I look over. I'm like, hey, sir. <laughs> Great job. You, you got some long arms. I'm like, yep. I, I, I straight go-go gadgeted. <laughs> like, there was no way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I literally was just trying to survive and. I remember like he, he, he was doing radio in St. Louis one year and he, and he interviewed me. He was like, kid, that's, you're the only guy that beat me in about like five years. I was like, 
I literally did not think I, I beat you. I was just literally trying to make it to the next day. I had no clue what was going on, but thank you very much. I'll, I'm going to put that on my, uh, I'm going to put that on my tombstone. <laughs> no doubt. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Because he was definitely recognized as, you know, one of, oh. if not the toughest oh. for like a while there. Right. Oh, he was a killer. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, again, I mean, like I tell you like Paul Laws, Paul Laws loved the fight and Paul was tough as nails. And I remember stories he was telling me about when he fought Twister in the minors and literally, I think he said twice Twister hit him on the top of the head and cracked his helmet. I was like, that doesn't sound good. That just, that sounds like a whole different, a different yeah. level. A whole lot of stuff I don't want. <laughs> yeah. Who did, um, just with the fighting, because I mean, there's some fans that listen to, to this definitely as well. And it's not just the young kids and the parents. Like what, you know, who is someone either that you like really enjoyed or always seemed to get the better of, or who is someone that always, you know, gave you, gave you a little bit of a hard time that you remember? You know, who, who gave me a hard time for whatever reason. And, and I shouldn't say that because he was, he was really tough, but, but was Wade Bielak. Like for whatever reason, like I just couldn't get over him. And, and um, at best, I think I made a draw to him like a, on those couple times. And what really frustrated me was because I was always trying to get to Domi. And Domi would just hide behind him every single time and, and end up having to fight him. And I was like, damn it. Uh, but no, Wade was, Wade was really tough. And, and, and I struggled with him. Uh, I mean, obviously, through in the junior years, uh, Big George, you know, was – George was tough, man. Yeah. Like, uh, I learned – to be friends with him so <laughs> so he was never mad at me but right. uh he was certainly tough uh one of the guys that had a lot of fun fighting which is kind of sadistic i guess when you say it that way but um i i like fighting barnaby like the couple times when he asked me to fight it felt like christmas day i was like we you, you, really you want this uh, but he was tough, and, and I played with him in Colorado. He was a great teammate. Um, but he's only like, yeah, he was like six footer, right? Or 5'10", or 5'11", or how tall? He was like just under six. Uh, and again, he was a guy that, you know, like when he was in the queue, uh, I think he led the league in scoring one year with like 350 penalty bits. Like he was – He's a player. He was a good player. He was really tough, yeah. but like – he just wasn't in my class. Like it was just, we were just two different animals, but, yeah. uh, Oh, he was, he, and he was just such an agitator. Right. So like the fact that he, like, there were so many times when I wanted him that he would just like, nah, we're not doing this now. We, we'll do it on my terms. So the fact when he finally said, let's do it. I was like, like, I, 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 I had a pause. I actually dropped my gloves. I'm like, are you, are we really doing like, right. If you drop your gloves and punch me, like I know we're fighting. And when he did that, like, it was like, oh, man, like, you don't know the whooping you're about to take right now. Like, this is, this is going to be bad. In fact, when uh, the day he got traded to Colorado, um, we were in Edmonton. And we, we went down to, to lunch. And I see him, and he comes up, hey, Big Pete, it's good to finally be on your team, but you owe me about 50 grand. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, you beat me up so bad one time in Florida that when I was walking off, an old man started yelling at me and I punched him and I got suspended and fined. <laughs> like, well, try to collect. Good luck. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yo, how did that, um, 
I mean, the one year you led the league and you led the league by like a hundred pims. Like, was that, I don't know. Was that, would that something be, be something you set out to do? I, I mean, I would assume no. not, but is this, is that just no. the way that it worked out? Uh, Mike Keenan. <laughs> I'll just say Mike yeah. Keenan. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, honestly, it was the last thing I wanted that year. I, I got in a fight uh, in November and I landed on my elbow and I tore my rotator cuff and fractured my collarbone. And I didn't know, like, wasn't, I just thought it was a kind of a, you know, a wrinkle in it. Right. Uh, in, in my, in my right arm, uh, the, the arm I threw with, uh, and it hurt every day. Um, so for some reason, when Mike came in, like that was Pete, I need you to fight every night. We got a bunch of guys that, that can't stand up for themselves. So we need you to, to really stand up. Um, and kind of that's ended up what happening. And, you know, at the end of the year, we, we did our physical and they're like, yeah, you have a really bad rotator cuff. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> Keep playing. I was like, I don't know either. That was really wow. dumb, really dumb. Right. But again, yeah, that's, again uh, that's, how was, how was it playing for him? I mean, there's been some horror stories. He was, he was, I don't know where he was at in his career at that point, a little bit farther into it. I think, you know, was he, did he mellow out a little bit or was he still pretty hot? Uh, it was still pretty hot. It was still yeah. pretty hot. Um, I actually got, I, like, I was fine with him. Like, like he, I got along with him pretty good. Um, he was really tough on, on really young guys. And that, and that was uh, really frustrating because we had some really young players who uh, needed some room to grow and, and he was really, really tough on them. Um, but Mike was that guy that he was always going to be on you and challenge you. And if you just took it, he would just keep going. So right. you had you had to stand up for yourself in private, <laughs> not, in, not in front of guys. But you had to you had to bring him in his office, talk to him in his office, and say, "That's that's not happening. The things that you're saying or doing, they're ending right now." Uh, and once that you did that, he left you alone. And if if it wasn't something you could handle, and and you said you wanted to be traded, he wasn't gonna try to screw you over. He just traded you. You know. Danny Boyle was a perfect example of it. Uh, Danny Boyle should have played a lot more for us. Uh, you know, he'd, score, he'd play one game, you know, get three or four, four points on the, on the power play for us. He'd make one mistake the next game and he'd be in the stands for three games, right? Right. And, you know, he, he has to be traded. And Mike didn't, didn't do anything to try to screw him over. He, he traded him to, to, uh, to a good, young, up-and-coming team and – and really helped his career in that aspect, right? right. Uh, you know, Ryan Johnson was another guy that has to be traded. And again, he didn't, he didn't uh, you know, he didn't try to play games with him. He just said, if you can't be here, let me go put you in another NHL team. So That's respectful. I mean, Brian McCabe said the same thing in the interview I had with him. He had him in Vancouver and he said he came at him really hard at the start. And he said, we had our, we had our FU match and, yep. uh, and he said it was, he kind of left me alone after that. So that was, I guess, his way to vet guys in his own way, you know? Mike, Mike had a, it was like a three game rule, right? So three games in, like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then, and then your fourth game, you're screwed. Like we, we made a trade for Maddie Cullen and Maddie Cullen showed up and uh, Mark Parrish was like one of his best friends from growing up. And, you know, Mark was my roommate uh, for a couple of years. And so, you know, he gravitated me right away. So we, we play that first game and, 
we're riding the bike after the game and it was like, you know, I was a little scared about Keynes, but like, I think all the rumors were, weren't true. Like he's, he's pretty cool. He's like a pretty good guy. Game one, you got two to go. All right. So we play the second game, same thing. He's like, Pete, man, come on, stop it. Like he's, he's awesome. He, like keeps telling me how great I am. Like, game two, you got one more. Plays yeah. the third game. He's like, man, like Pete, like stop it. Like Mike's, Mike's awesome. Okay. We'll see you next game. And very first shift next game, he's, he's uh, taking a neutral zone faceoff and uh, loses it. He loses the faceoff, but it, it like literally comes in our bench right off the bat. And all you hear is, geez, this is the National Hockey League. Stop, get him off the ice. Teach him how to take faceoffs. And he tore a hole into him for the next three minutes, right? Just ripped him. Didn't see the ice again. So we're riding the bike after, after the game and, you know, he's all quiet and, you know, just trying to leave him alone for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I, I, I look over and I'm like, hey, hey Carlos, hey, what's going on? Game four, how'd that go? <laughs> You're right, kid. You're right, Pete. You're right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. It was, so you saw it enough times, eh? And that was just sort of recognized throughout was, that this it was It was a pattern. <laughs> it was a yeah. pattern. Yeah. It's, right. It's kind of I wonder weird. if he recognized the pattern. Do you think do you think he recognized it or do you, th- or do you think it was actually planned? Uh I, yeah, I mean I I guess I haven't really given that much thought. Like I, I he was either a genius in that way or or he was just, you know, pathological. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> right, right. Um right. but it, again, like like for me, like I there was no coach that could really tear me down that way because like, you know, like I was hard on myself already. Like so it didn't really matter. Like you know, when he tried it on me, it was like, hey, look, we could we could settle this. I mean, it's it's be okay. Right. And he left me alone after that. But um yeah, I mean, Mike is Mike can be really tough. He can be really tough, he can be really exacting. Um, but the same token, uh, if if he if you if he did buy into you, uh you were you were great. Right. Uh same token, if you were the number one guy on his team. Oh my God, you were golden. If you right, were he took care two, of those guys. If you, yeah, if you were the number two guy, whew, get yourself traded. Really? <laughs> yeah. Every mistake the first guy would make, it would be on the second guy. Absolutely. <laughs> it was That's wild. Well, I promised, buddy, I promised you an hour and a half, and I told you too. This is the way it goes, man. We could we could go for another two hours. I'd love to. Absolutely. I love the chat, but. Um, just want to give you credit, man. 391 games in the best league in the world. Uh, 19 goals, 18 more than me. <laughs> and, uh, and 1,500 penalty minutes, man. That's unbelievable career. We didn't even get into um, Colorado, the trade. I want to talk about that. We didn't get into what you're yeah. doing now with the Panthers and helping the youth there um, you know, grow and develop the programs there. So we'll have to make this part one. And uh, we'd, lo- we'd love to chat with you again. But um, Pete, thanks so much, man. You're a great guest. Uh, thanks for being there. Appreciate today. it, man. I-, I loved it. It was great. And we absolutely have to do this again. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. And thank you for listening. That was uh, really good stuff with Peter. And as usual, we always run out of time. So we're going to have to give him back for, for round two here at some point uh, and get into some of the really good stories that he has. And we, we covered a couple of them off air, unfortunately, just as... Uh, some of the great fight stories that he has and, and, and some of those, those funny scenarios that, that happened in the game. We, 
we were pretty serious in this episode and I think we needed to be because it's a time that calls for, for some seriousness and some sobriety uh, when it comes to uh, to what is going on in in society at large and, and how that impacts uh, this game of hockey that we all love. So uh, we'll have to have him back on. Uh, Pete's super eloquent, very intelligent and, and is doing a lot of great things there in, in the, in, uh, with the Florida Junior Panthers and trying to get minor hockey rolling there and being a being a role model and inspiration to uh, to Florida's youth there, and, and that's something that I definitely wanted to cover, and we'll have to do that again next time. So, uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, please, if you haven't already, check out upmyhockey.com. That's where you can find out more about me and what I do, and and also my Facebook group uh, for parents, Up My Hockey uh, Parent Group on Facebook, where where we do get to ask questions to my podcast guests, where we go over. Uh, mindset trainings. We talk about uh, industry experts uh, to help us all and your players navigate the space called hockey. So I'm really proud of both those scenarios. If you want to find out more, please go there. And uh, until next time, play hard and keep your head up.